Hello and welcome to the DU Football Show, a completely biased recap of how grass grows is told by one common American schmuck. Mr. Graham is out on assignment right now, but uh, just uh, a few weeks ago we had the chance, well, I had the chance to sit down and talk with our best, favoritist, most awesomest groundkeeper in all of league football, Mr. Ben Kay from Accrington Stanley. And of course, like every show, I had myself an ice cold ice house. We held off on the whiskey till uh, Mr. Graham had gotten to the uh, show later. So without further ado, enjoy the interview. Hello, boys and girls. Uh, It is time to do the coolest thing ever. Talk about grass for like 30 minutes because we're very entranced in it. And we're still convinced, still convinced this day that our guest directly affected Yuri Tillman's goal at Wembley, because we know that he perfectly manicured that spot that he hit it from. We got our good friend from Accrington Stanley, the head groundskeeper, Mr. Ben Kay. Ben, how you been, sir? Yeah, all good, mate. Um, getting to the point now where we're actually seeing some decent weather over in the northwest of England and that. So, yeah, things are looking a lot better, really. Uh, it's, it's funny. I'll go ahead and ask this question right off the jump. It's like... Rain, 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 wind, awful, cold, terrible, Aki, snow. It seems like every weekend just Aki, snow. One, just that one spot, that's it, that gets snow. Honestly, Sam, every time I see somebody, I have to apologize because they see me on Twitter and they go and Twitter and then you're always moaning about the weather, but unless you actually are from Accrington or in the northwest of England, you won't understand how bad and how much it actually rains. I mean, I live in Wigan, which is about, I don't know, about a 35-minute drive, and it could be totally different. I mean, I can leave Accrington and it's snowing and get, get to Wigan and it's not had a drop of snow and that. So, uh, listen, the, the conditions are challenging and that, but we do it for the love of the job. And, uh, yeah, things are ticking over nicely. Like I said, the weather's turning now. We've got a bit decent warm weather. We've got, like, um, highs of 12 degrees. I know you're probably... The opposite end is Celsius and Fahrenheit, is it? But, yeah, uh, we're, well, but one would say we're the backwards ones because we're yeah. the one that go with our own system. You know, we're like, ah, America, we do it our way. Fahrenheit, damn it. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, I don't know what that would equate to, to be honest, Sam and that. But yeah, we're ticking over 12s. I mean, there's a clear sky tonight, and that's so we'll get a frost. It's probably about two degrees, maybe touching zero, and that's all. It's kind of fluctuating. Um, from high to low and that but the weather's turning and that. I mean we've only got a month of the um, season left and then we're going to start ripping the pitches up anyway so mm. now I remember last season you kind of just came in and it was like alright we just got to get this pitch serviceable and we want to be considered one of the better pitches in League One but it's yeah. it takes a little time how has it been now that you really kind of had that full first year of figuring things out and now you're this is, I would say, when you're probably really putting your hands on this, really. How's the grounds been doing, and uh, how's the training ground effort been going along as well? Um, it's been a difficult year, I'm not going to lie, like Sam. I mean, you were probably last time I spoke to you, I had three other members of staff, so there was four of us in total. I had my uh, deputy head, and I had two young lads. I wouldn't class them as apprentices because we were just getting paid a wage, but... Um, but but like bit of a strange one really but within a month all three of them had left and left me on my own oh Jesus um, yeah so as soon as pre-season started I was kind of looking after the stadium 
and um, we just taken over the training ground where we look after one pitch. So I was trying to do two pitches in in one until we could kind of like um, appoint somebody else. Now we're uh, we managed to get Sam in, who's now my deputy, and um, he's brilliant in that. But again, there's probably still one member short. Trying to find time to have um, time off, holidays. Um, mm-hmm. We work a lot of time holding Lou, which means kind of like we're contracted for 35 hours, but when we have home games, we will like 50 hours, so then we roll 15 hours back. So it's kind of like you never get that time back. But no... Um, I think the pitch has performed really well, to be fair. Um, last year, we had a lot of training sessions on the main stadium. This year, we've managed to keep them off, and it's benefited the pitch, uh, pitch throughout the season. We, to be fair, we've got a couple of games called off. We had two games called off because we got some really cold weather around December, January, um, where it got to like minus eight, nine, and we put the frost sheets down, but the frost sheets almost kind of worked to minus three, minus four. Um, we had a prolonged kind of period of like 10 days to two weeks of really cold weather so we got the Portsmouth game called off and I want to say the Boreham Wood one which was the second round of the FA Cup mm-hmm. luckily got played the week after and one that we played Leeds which you might have seen live on TV mm-hmm. um, it, was live, it was live on the I want to say BBC over here um, so we got some good publicity in that I mean um, I think Martin Keown was um, was commentating and and said on live on TV that it was one of the better pitches in the League One, which I hope it will be. Um, but again, it's kind of con- conditions are always against us, and it's not kind of a sob story or kind of like making excuses. But the army, we we'll have weather of say eight degrees, and then three two hundred miles down in Plymouth, it's kind of twelve degrees and fourteen degrees. It's kind of like uh, they're always just a little bit ahead of us in the kind of weather kind of. Uh, to start the, start the pitch growing, start the grass growing and that. I mean, we don't have any under soil eating, we don't have any lighting rigs, so we can't artificially make the grass grow. We were kind of like when I went working at Wembley, um, Carl would set into the head ground that we can grow grass 365 days a year uh, because of the under soil heating, because of the roof, because of the, all the lighting rigs we've got. Well, we can't do that. So once we hit a period of around November, we're then trying to manage that grass then up until end of March, April, when we get the weather back to start growing it and start thickening up and that. So uh, we're just at that stage now. So it's kind of like we have four months of really hard kind of slog, kind of just keeping what grass we've got, keeping the water going through the profile, keeping the uh, frost off it, etc. And now it's getting to back to work. It's actually enjoyable going to work. I mean, I've got to work with a smile on my face in the minutes that I've been miserable. Mm. I, you know, in comparison, so uh, you have kind of upstate New York and Pennsylvania, towns like Erie and, um, and of course, Buffalo that are right up against one of the Great Lakes, right? That's in that's what I'm kind of gathering is is that yeah. you know the, where you are in regards to the maritime climate can just completely fuck you, <laughs> and it's like yeah. like you the weather's going to throw all kinds of crazy things at you, and with that extreme cold, like the ground's frozen. There's nothing you can do. Like it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't matter how much you treat it. Like the pitch is fucked and and you're just kind of yeah. stuck I, I get how you're it's like as soon as it gets cold till march you're just kind of like well i i, I hope it looks good <laughs> like i hope it holds up that's about the best you can really do 
Well, that's it. I mean, listen, we're professionals at the end of the day, and we want to. We want all our pitches looking like Wembley, but then we've also got to be realistic and understand that. Do you know what? It's going to look not poor, but kind of a bit, a bit sorry for itself at certain stages of the year. I mean, I think we got to. Uh, I want to say we played Bristol Rovers. Now you know Joey Barton, Bristol Rovers manager. You know he's kind mm-hmm. of outspoken, did. And he actually came over to us and praised us. I think it was the 14th of January call and went, well done, that's pitch is looking brilliant. And that, where in the past he's been over to Accrington and absolutely slated the pitch. So it's kind of like, it's just little wins for us, do you know what I mean? Because them are the kind of managers you're thinking, shit, is he going to say something bad about this? Or I always watch the post-match interviews and that just to kind of see what uh, what the manager says and that. But it was like... Uh, we played Portsmouth in the rearranged fixture three weeks ago and the pitch was covered in snow. The referee had to stop the game and go and get the yellow balls out. And it was kind of like nowhere else was like that. In yeah. England. Right, what, right. What just you. Yeah, <laughs> just us. And it's kind of like, what for Duns to deserve all this? And I mean, the snow literally it was snowing all day. It was on and off, on and off. And, that. and then the lads literally started to warm up and the heavens just opened with snow. And I think maybe if we'd have gone 10 minutes longer because it, it, it was we kicked off a quarter to eight and about five to eight it kind of just started slowing down a bit mm-hmm. if we'd have gone 10 minutes longer with heavy snow I think we'd have been in big trouble the, the referee literally said to me get all your lads with brushes and as soon as I blow my whistle and you're running on and sweeping the lines off and I'm thinking oh my god flipping this is all I need but luckily it kind of it, the snow stayed on the pitch and that but luckily we got through the game okay we lost again right but that's oh. kind of the story of our season at the minute. Well, and and of course, everybody, you know, most of our listeners are all big Premier League fans, and they, they're yeah. spoiled. They got the heated pitches and, and a staff of 20 to get shit done, and it's like, it's you and another guy. It's going to get like, and then whoever's got a free hand, you're just like, do you know how to push a broom? Get your ass out here and push a broom. Like... I'm not listening again. I know it's all cliche and that's something, but that's what it's like, mate. I mean, uh, I don't want to disrespect anybody, and I don't know whether I've mentioned this before, but the higher end, the higher you go up, you kind of get lost of the old school groundsmanship because you've got everything at your disposal. Mm-hmm. Disposal, do you know what I mean? You're not having to go and, uh, go and do the manual labor because you've got a machine that can do that. Or, or Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. Kind of like, oh, very so, fair. I, I, yeah, I enjoy. I, I absolutely love my job and that, but it's just sometimes it's just it is hard and it's mentally hard as well as being physically hard. Uh, it's you know into I think a lot of people you know what they overlook is you know the Premier League has all this TV money and things of that yeah. nature. It's like League One gets does games on Tuesday nights because they get money for it. Like that's the reason yeah. why there's so many Tuesday night games is because you can actually get on TV and make a little extra money. It's not like there's a ton of cash flow move coming in it's like what you're doing at the gate how much concessions you're selling all these things are massively important to to a team even in the championship now they're about it looks like they're about to get a tv deal here that's going to be in the united states as well because currently espn plus occasionally plays some games but not any kind of real schedule to it but like for you guys, like every single little aspect, it means a lot. Who you're paying, how much you're paying them, all of that. Yeah, of course it does. I mean, we have uh, we have like five thousand kind of seater standing stadium and that, but Accrington only get two thousand home fans generally. So we've got like three thousand uh, 
seats or standing area available. So what we do is when we play one of the bigger teams, your derbies or your Sheffield Wednesdays, we'll give them half of the ground. Now, a lot of our home fans don't like that because what they're saying is that you're turning your home venue into a neutral venue or an away venue because I don't know whether you've seen any pitches, but literally Accrington, you can stand on the side and you, you're within a yard of the pit. So mm-hmm. it's kind of, it's so intimidating that when a player's taking a throw in, which is somebody could grab it that close to him. So it's kind of like the fans have this big grudge of the managing director wearing so many away fans. But what he says is that that game, by giving them an extra 1,500 tickets, is going to gain us kind of 50,000 pounds per game. Now, if you if you tell that over five, six games, you're talking 200,000 pounds, which is a lot of money. So it's kind of what he's saying is that if if we can't fill our home end, but then we'll just give it, we'll give the tickets to the away end because they're going to fill it and we'll make money. Yeah, precisely. And also, one would then also say to the, I mean, you can't say this to your supporters because you want to keep your supporters, yeah. but show the fuck up to the stadium then. Fill the yeah, fucking, give us a reason not to sell the tickets to someone else. Show up, you know? Um, I, I did want to mention I uh, I caught both of the FA Cup matches uh, the well both yeah. Bournemouth matches and then the uh, Leeds match and definitely definitely the first uh, the Bournemouth where you guys were at home I, I might have saw somebody standing there as the uh, teams were coming out might have might have saw you they yeah. made it on, made it on the telly in the states well done um, <laughs> now kind of and of course you feel comfortable discussing as much of this as you do or do not want considering that you're with the club clubs having a tough season and currently yeah. in the relegation zone how are how are spirits around the club I mean I figure it's kind of a there's a little bit of bleed over between you know the guys in the clubhouse and the people you know running the facility but how how spirits at the state at the club so far um, it's a difficult one really because we are where we should be do you know what I mean? We we have the revenue we make, the crowds we make. We are a bottom four club on paper. Before the start of the season, everybody would say who who will go down. It would be Accrington, your Cambridges, your Fleetwoods are going to struggle. So we are where we kind of should be. But the gaffer's done really well over the last five, six, seven years of getting these unknown players in, getting the lads a good mixture of old and new. Um, but we, we, lost, we lost three or four of our main players last year. I mean, we lost Ross Sykes. He went over and played for a team in Belgium. Dion Charles has gone to Bolton. He scored on uh, Sunday in Wembley. We lost Colby Bishop, who went to Portsmouth. And then Matt Butcher, who again went uh, to Plymouth. So again, he's kind of... There's only it's hard because there's only so many times the gaffer can pull these gems out of non-league. Mm-hmm. Now that's kind of where our kind of um, our market for players is. Um, he's never going to spend three hundred thousand pounds on centre forward who's going to score you 30, 40 goals per season to get you out of it. But what he has done in the past is he's gone scouted the lower leagues and brought lads in who have done really well and sold them on for a profit. Um, and I think kind of recruitment's not been I, mean, I don't think this is disrespectful at all but I think recruitment's not been as well as it has been in the past it's just it's just one of them seasons where it's kind of just caught up with us now we're still all optimistic that we've got eight home games uh, eight games left we've got four home four and away mm-hmm. that if we can just pick up a couple of runs and maybe get on a bit of a momentum a bit of a run that we can stay out but 
The problem is now is that we're three points out, with three points to get out of the relegation, but we have a we have a more inferior goal difference. So even mm-hmm. if we do win and um, Oxford lose, we'll still be in the relegation. But our last two games, believe it or not, Cambridge at home, they were below us, and then Oxford away the last game of the season. So it could potentially get really tasty um, if we can, if we can make that ground up. Yeah, and uh, I mean, only five points behind uh, MK Dons, but then also you recently lost MK Dons, so that doesn't help either. That was, you know, the uh, one of the other things too is it's I'm I'm sure with you know obviously here in the states it's a it's a real big fucking deal with uh, what Wrexham is doing in the in the non-league. I'm probably harder to find gems because frankly, those non-league teams, they got to keep up with the Joneses, you know, with how well Wrexham's been doing and the amount of money that Wrexham's put into their club. Suddenly, yeah. you know, everybody else, if they want to keep up, they got to spend a little money. Well, that's people you guys would be finding and signing, but you can't because they're, they're being picked off by the, uh, by the uh, teams that are down there. No, honestly, Sam, again, I'm not talking as attorney, but the wage structure, the wage budget that Accrington kind of um, have within the have within the club is players in the Conference North around like your AC Files, your Altringhams, your Halifaxes, they're getting just as much money as the, as the lads are at Accrington. Mm. Now, again, it's kind of like... Um, the chairman's very much we live within our means he doesn't he's, he's not here as a cash character said you know what I'm throwing in five million a year I'm not bothered whether we could, he wants the club to be sustainable now I don't know whether you've seen but we kind of all the uh, all the profits and losses have been published of the football clubs and that and we've made this mm-hmm. I think it was 600 or 700,000 pound profit of the year 21-22 so again he's kind of showing where we're at now he will invest that money back into the football club because what what he kind of does is if we make money we'll invest it if mm-hmm. we don't make money I'm not going chasing it so it's kind of the, the gaffer's had a better budget I believe this year and it's, it's just one of them things that hasn't quite happened but you are right mate it's kind of I mean Wrexham's in the conference and they're getting 10,000 on Notts County are in the conference and they're getting 10,000 on Mm-hmm. Our average crowds are around 2,800 and Stockport in, in the league below was at 10,000 on. So it's kind of, if we were put into the league too, we would still probably have the, the lowest average crowd. And like I said, he it, it, it runs it really well, the managing director and the chairman. We mm-hmm. don't, we, like I said, we don't go chasing things and that. We know what we're about. Mm-hmm. We want to stay in this league. You have a look at the teams coming down. Obviously, Wigan, my team's going to come down. Then you've got Blackpool, Huddersfield. All local teams will, will sell like the away allocation next year with two mm-hmm. and a half thousand. Then you're looking at Stockport, Salford, Carlisle coming up, which again, so it's imperative that we try and stay in this league. Yeah, because those those that revenue can then get you another player. And also the other thing yeah, too is yeah. again going back to like the Premier League. If you have a player who fucks off and doesn't do well, you put him on the bench, you let him play a few cup games, and then you try to sell him on, and you just whatever the loss is is whatever the loss is. Yeah. You can't do that in League you know, One. That like if a guy doesn't pan out, that really directly affects your all overall, you know, the team on the field, but it's not like the owner can just go, ah, stroke another check, I'll get another guy in here. That's not how it works. No, it, it doesn't in that. And the, the good thing about this as well is kind of the wage structures all around kind of similar. 
So mm-hmm. we don't have one player on £10,000 a week and one on £100 a week. It's kind of, we're all roughly in the system. We don't have any big egos, what I'm trying to say. And that's so mm-hmm. we've that's always important. had a good kind of group and that. But again, like I said, for whatever reason, it's not really clicked in that. But like going back to money, I mean, I, I seen a funny stat yesterday. I don't know if you've seen it on Twitter about Watford spent £8.8 million in um, kind of redundancy fees for getting rid of managers just in one year. She just kind of just said that, well, we don't like you, Billy, to we'll pay you four million. We don't like you. And it, and it's just getting to the point where how, how is that sustainable? You mm-hmm. know what I mean? It's kind of like, if they didn't have the parachute payments from the Premier League, then that won't be happening. Yeah, I, I, Everton uh, recently just got uh, brought up by the FA for uh, for one violation of FFP. Mm-hmm. I'm sure their one violation will get them a much stricter ban than Man City's 111 charges. <laughs> but that's a topic for another time. But one of the things that happened is when they got rid of Rafa, Rafa had brought in, he had basically cleared out the entire backroom staff and brought in all new people. It cost Everton $10 million just to get rid of Rafa. Like, it's insane. It's insane the yeah. amount of, like, I mean, it's monopoly money at the at the Premier and, and here's the thing, it, it's, they're only getting richer. Like, the clubs are only getting rid because you think about the the Chinese market all the games are on at night. They're watching. Yeah. In the American market, all the games are on in the morning. We're watching. Like, the numbers are good. And you think about, like, here in the States, they're almost up with uh, NBC Sports and Peacock. And they've shown that just having the games on an application format, not necessarily on regular network TV, the numbers are still good. So who knows yeah. what kind of money... Hulu, Apple TV, who's going to throw tons of cash at these guys, you know? So it's like, it's just very crazy how, like, like you said, for Watford or Everton, like $10 million just wasted on, uh, we decided to fire a coach. Like, insanity. Yeah, I know, listen, I know we're talking about football and that, but it's just kind of like, the world's just gone mad, mate. Like, how can somebody just dispose of $10 million just like that when, mm-hmm. when everything's going on in, in the world, etc. Do you know what I mean? It's kind mm-hmm. of like money with so much disposable money in football is ridiculous, and that's why it's not. That's why football clubs need to realise what they. I mean, Wigan. Use Wigan as an example. We've just gone through a couple of weeks of where the players didn't get paid because the chairman is trying to sell some assets in London or etc. And the money didn't go through anyway. But the fans are saying, kind of, well, we're, we're championship. Well, we're not a championship club. We're a league one kind of strong club do you know what I mean but mm-hmm. what you get is you get a bit of hope you win the league that Wigan spent all the time in the Premier League won the FA Cup but when, we're not a Premier League football club and people still think we'll do, we'll, that's what we are and people just need to kind of step back and just have a real think about what it what it actually is you want for your football club I mean it's like yourself now Everton you're moving into this big stadium and that but what, what debt and you know, at what cost does that mm-hmm. come? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Borrowing money all the time and that, and it's kind of where does it stop? Like, where, where, when does the bank say, "Listen, we can't afford you any more money because you owe two billion pounds or something"? That like that. Well, and you you think about too, you know how all who all's been buying teams. You know, you had you know 
the United Arab Emirates buying City, then you had yeah. the Saudis, uh, the KSA buying Newcastle. Talk of the Qataris possibly buying Manchester United. Like that's the most storied club in possibly all of sport, right? Yeah. I mean, it's that's the Yankees, it's the Cowboys, it's the I mean, they're bigger than all of those teams, and and. I mean, just people with billions and billions and billions. I mean, they could just light $100 bills on fire and it would mean nothing are starting to buy. So the money that's going into the league, it's like, there's still going to be so much money to be made on these teams. But but then yeah. the problem is, is then the lower leagues start to think, well, we have to keep up with that. That's what we, and it's, at the end of the day, yeah. these are neighborhood clubs. They need to be sustainable. They they need to be profitable. They have to be because whoever's like in your case, the chairman who owns your club, like it needs to be profitable at the end of the day. He can't, he's not some oil guy from the Middle East. He doesn't have money to burn. Well, that's kind of the point. You know, is kind of like, when did it, because at the end of the day, football's a business. And if you're losing money, then how can the business survive? It's kind of, do you know what I mean? There must be. Yeah. This is this is for me where it's all wrong. Where the FA or whoever the governing body needs to get involved. And see, we I don't know whether you know, but there's a sport in England called rugby league. Have you heard of it? Mm -hmm. Right. So they have salary caps, so you can't spend more than what you're making, kind of thing. So it kind of makes your, your club sustainable. So if you get if you're getting a bigger crowd and a bigger income, then your salary cap will go up because your wage <laughs> kind of goes against your income. Mm -hmm. So you, you're never losing 10, 15 million pound a year, but football is just ridiculous. It's, it's kind of, it's sometimes it's just kind of some rich, rich guys kind of little pet toy. And I'll just throw this in because it doesn't really matter if I lose 20 million a year or what. So oh, it's, it's the same in the United States as well. I mean, we're, uh, we're just outside of Washington, DC. So, um, I'm a old, uh, Washington red football commander skins team whatever the fuck we're calling ourselves these days and honestly with daniel schneider getting ready to potentially sell the team it was his fantasy football team it's just what yeah. it, he like he had a ton of money and he bought whoever the hell he wanted whenever the hell he wanted to he would oh let me buy the biggest free agent you know let me buy the albert haynesworth and spend way too much money on him because it was just it was legitimately his it was a real life fantasy football team for him that's exactly what it was. And that's what it is with a, a lot of these owners. I mean, you, you see that with, you know, the Saudi league with James and, uh, and uh, Ronaldo both playing there. It's, it's fantasy sports for them. That's what it is. You know? Yeah. Now, um, final question. And uh, again, you are able to, I don't want to be too inside baseball or anything. So only what you feel comfortable talking about the, if the team was to go down and go down to League Two, how does this affect your budget, your world, for just worrying about the grounds? So, um, I don't think it does, Sam. I mean, we've had these conversations with the managing director, and he's kind of like, um, <clears throat> he's kind of really happy with what we're doing. Um, I'll be honest, we are overworked. Um, again, I need, I could be with another member of staff and that, so we can get some time back in that. But, the thing is, people people 
kind of forget that you need grass to play football and you yeah. need to maintain that grass. So whether whether it was one of one of us or two of us, it still needs to kind of be an upkeep and a standard that needs to be kept. So um, mm-hmm. I think we spoke about it last time. We have a high work by force and we have a hybrid pitch. So we have um artificial fiber stitched into the pitch. So mm-hmm. again that's kind of um kind of an old maintenance plan on itself and um, if you don't do certain things you start losing the fiber so we have a machine that kind of it's called a coral and um, so it's at the top 20 centimeters off at renovation time uh, top two centimeters sorry at renovation time and we restart again we obviously the pitch we sand the pitch and that now if you start cutting back on things like that then your shelf life of your pitch kind of diminishes mm-hmm. and you won't get you won't get the uh, years what you're supposed to get out of it uh, well no um, everything's been positive he's buying us a couple of bits of equipment what we need and that so yeah you know, everything's kind of up. listen we're still in league one at the minute we're hoping we can stay up if we don't um, I think it's kind of going to be what a uh, not a slippery slope but kind of a time where we need to steady the ship I don't think we'll come straight back up because mm-hmm. again there's yeah. some big teams in that league too you look at Tranmere, Bradford um, some more big football clubs and that so it's going to be a tough league but like I said prior we need to stay in the league just for the teams that's going to be in there I mean Derby County are just literally clinging on to a playoff spot so they're mm-hmm. back into the then you've got your chair you walk through that league one it's ridiculous how many former Premier League football clubs there will be in there Pompey Pompey yeah is yeah. a former Premier yeah. League club Charlton Athletic Portsmouth mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Ipswich Chef Wednesday Derby Bolton Wanderers you know what I mean it's kind of the risk was on a minute there's so many big teams I mean we've played uh, we've played Plymouth that's for it, two weeks ago and they brought 900 on a Tuesday night now that's like a 700 mile round trip on a Tuesday so they're probably leaving the warm at 10 o'clock at night and only getting back to Plymouth at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. So even them types of teams are, are bringing good crowds. Yeah. Yeah, it's, and, and if and if you're down in League 2, then you've got, in all likelihood, Knotts and Wrexham coming up who are going to be ton big stadiums with lots of money. You know, it's, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um <clears throat> I do have one final question. I, um, how is, what are, what are the plans for the facility for next year? Up, down, does not matter. Like training ground, what all are you kind of focusing in on getting done besides more fucking hands on deck to help you do your job? <laughs> yeah. So look at the one at the main stadium, just general renovations. We're getting it corralled off, which is standard procedure for the hybrid pitch. So we take the, like I said, the top two centimeters of the pitch off. Um, so what we do then is try and stand all the fibres back up what get buried in the sand um, so that takes that off and then back over the training ground we've recently had um, irrigation put in so we have full sprinkler system in um, over there and that so that was at a cost of about £140,000 to the chairman which he funded and um, and yeah I think things things are going okay and that like I said we've never been knocked back with what we want to do uh, myself and Sam, my deputy, are kind of well-driven, kind of have high expectations of where we want to take. And, that. and it, it, it's like anything, if 
if our managing director didn't believe in us or the chairman didn't believe in us, then he would just say, no, listen, lads, you're crap at your job. I'm not spending all that money. So he's kind of on board with what we want to do. And that the gaff has made up because he's never had a training pitch before. So this is the first year. It sounds really daft, this, because we've never had a worse, a worse year than this year. Right. Uh, maybe we need to go back to training on the pitch and that. But, uh, but yeah, he's made up. We had a good chat with the gaffer today and that. And he, he, was, he thanked us for looking after the pitch because... We have, believe it or not, we had the sun out today and it was green in the pit. So the lads trained on it this afternoon and that, and everything. Everybody's happy with what we're doing and that. So, again, I'm one of them people who just wants to keep striving and improving. And I think once you get to that point where you just rest on your laurels and everything's okay, it's kind of maybe worth thinking about, well, I need to move on and try and go and do something else. Yeah, fair, very fair. Well, Ben, thank you very much for taking the time. Go get yourself to sleep. I know it's uh, already late yeah, over yeah. there. Where uh, yeah, well, don't worry. We'll be going till about probably eleven o'clock tonight once Graham finally gets here and bitches and moans about everything. But uh, again, yeah. thank thank you very much for the time. No problem. Nice to see you again, Matt. Take care as well. Thanks to all, Sam. Appreciate it.